Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about typhoons that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I am JB, alongside me with Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And down the line is Tim Cocker. Hey, Tim, happy Mental Health Day. World, world Awareness World uh, Awareness Day. day. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, well, I'd love to say that I tag-teamed with you two and... You've arrived back in the UK. I'd love to say that I was in Japan, but uh, I can't. I'm in, I'm in Kent. Wow. But, uh, I look forward to reuniting with you later in the weekend. Yes, well, we'll see you in the skin on Sunday. But uh, can I just tell you how nice it is to be recording in a studio at a time which is kind of normal, not half six in the morning. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's, it's nice to be in my studio. And it's also nice to be near uh, you know, sources of news. I feel like I know about rugby again. It's been a long, long two weeks without any rugby, which sounds ridiculous considering we went to the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, well, we don't have a huge amount of rugby to talk about. Yes, we do. Because there hasn't been a lot of games this week and because there's not many games this weekend. Yes, it's, it might not be that much rugby that we're talking about. It might be other things. Well, I mean, there's, yeah. uh, I mean, there's Premiership Cup, which is on right now. Hey, here's a <laughs> trivia question for you. How many captains are playing for London Irish this weekend? I know. I don't know how many of the four that, that are playing. All four of them. Are, they, are all four are of them playing? All four are playing, I think. Because in the... I did see their team announcement after their announcement of four captains... And only one of them was announced as the captain ah. on the pitch. Once. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. I reckon that would be Blair Cowan. Correct. Incorrect. Yeah. No, Blair Cowan's oh. definitely a captain. He, he is a captain. Oh, sorry, but he's not playing. He's not playing. Stephen Myler's playing. He is not playing. Stephen Myler's playing. I'm sure he is. Paddy Jackson. You said all four. You said all four of them were playing. No, well, JB. Says, I am wrong on JB that. JB says a lot of things. I am categorically wrong on that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be clear. Um, it is Van der Merwe, Franco Van der Merwe. He is captaining, he's the, the one captain captaining on the captain's day. Wow. So what happens when all <laughs> captains play? Uh, toss up. Re- arm I wrestle. Blair Cowan if they all play. I, I reckon they all play a game of fives. Last one remaining makes a decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five, ten, five, twenty, five. <laughs> <laughs> Right, come on, let's get into Natural Disaster Gate. Um, yes. 
Well, yeah, hang on. Does anyone know what a typhoon is, out of interest? Does anyone actually know what one yes, is? Yes, I do. Oh, I do. Well, I can tell you, here's a fact. There is absolutely no difference whatsoever between a typhoon and a hurricane. It's just the they location, are, isn't it? It's, what it's the location. To. So, yeah, um, they're tropical cyclones, but it depends on where in the world they are. They're given a different name for whatever reason. I don't know. But well, ones that well, form well. in the northwest Pacific, so like the North and South America, I think, they're called hurricanes. And the ones that form Philippines, Japan way are typhoons. typhoons. Simple as that. Well, yes. I never knew that. That is some superb knowledge been dropped on me. Yeah, I, I was aware of that fact interesting so depending on who you listen to this is either a completely common occurrence which could easily be avoided or it's a once in a generation event which proves undoubtedly global warming is going to kill us all tomorrow which one is it do it do you know yeah well i I spoke to some people outside charing cross station this evening and part of the reason i was late is because uh extinction uh, rebellion uh, (laughs) slowed my journey to the train station Uh, they had a very strong view in one direction Uh, what Sorry, are you talking about the view on the Scotland-Japan game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, has so, it really uh, captured their, their Tarquin, imagination? Tarquin and um, Tarquin and Arabella. <laughs> all the Tarquins and Arabellas. Um, <laughs> let me know about uh, rugby and, and and everything else, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about climate change later in some quite you know, quite large detail. But, uh, yeah, obviously this, this typhoon has hit, and it's mean, it means that... England, France have been cancelled, and it also means that um, what was the other game that's cancelled? New Zealand, Italy. New Zealand, Italy. Yeah. So th- those two games. Yeah, are... I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop you boys before we say anything. Th- this is this is ridiculous that I'm having to do this, but unfortunately, because Twitter does its thing when anything happens, I feel like I feel it necessary before we say anything on this subject to just make clear that whatever is said. Uh, on the subject of rugby matches affected by a typhoon, we hope everybody and anybody can be as safe as possible mm. who are have to live through and endure um, a typhoon. And I, I, I wish no injury, loss of life, ele- homes or whatever, and anything like that is a tragedy. That goes without saying. Unfortunately, it feels like you're not allowed to have an opinion uh, on rugby without being accused of not caring about people who die. Oh, sorry, I, I was confused. I thought you were 100% behind people dying. Have I got that wrong? <laughs> uh, well, you, you you wonder sometimes. It's just, it's like the head injury thing. It's like you if, if you, if you, if at any point you didn't like the method of implementation of various laws or law variations or changes or trials, mm-hmm. you, you instantly therefore hope people die of brain injury yeah i think i think that's a i think that's a fair assumption i think that's exactly how i read it and the same and the same thing happened with typhoons so um, well done twitter for doing your thing (laughs) (laughs) oh you want you want to wait wait to hear what what i've got for later then um so the upshot of this is of course these games have been cancelled what are your initial thoughts on this i'll go with you phil because you're 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 a sensible kind of chap um to be honest i don't think it's gonna have any impact on the group in either direction it's a shame that we don't get to see these games because it is a shame the italy new zealand game it would have been great to see zani parise and giraldini in what could well be their final game with respect to those gentlemen i mean do we really need to see them lose again against new zealand i mean what were we robbing them of like a, a massive spanking 
like maybe the biggest spanking of their careers so far. If they were really that bothered about playing rugby, they would have won some more. If they were really that good, they've had 10 years at the top. And Parise has got one of the worst records of any international captain ever. It probably has the worst winning record of, yeah, literally, of any tier one nation. He, uh, well, I'm pretty he, sure he does. He's, he's lost more than 100 games. Yeah. International games. So what? We're going to deprive him of their final loss and we should feel somehow bad about that? No, it's... <laughs> as you have just proven with the, the the loss record, sometimes it's about more than just winning and losing. And with <laughs> I Paris, don't know if it is. With I Parise, mean, you if, might think it's it, just about, about if, like the free travel. If it was just about winning and losing... Well, no, it might be about just the free travel. Yeah, but if it was, if it was just about winning and losing, he would have given up a long time ago. He's, he's a much well. He'd probably play for Argentina if he's not proud, winning or losing. Prouder man than that. So it's a shame not to see those guys. Well, I can. I, I personally can live without seeing uh, Italy versus all, <laughs> uh, Italy versus All Blacks. In, England France would have been a very interesting game. Yeah, I mean, this was the game I've been looking forward to most in basically the whole of the World Cup, including the All Blacks South Africa game. I thought it was going to be an absolute belter because everything's panning out perfectly. France have kind of scratched their ways to some wins. England have beaten up on rubbish teams. And France are now in open revolt. And England are building up a head of steam. There's only one thing that could happen. England would have lost. And we don't get to see it. We don't, we don't get to see it now. <laughs> You're right. We don't get to see that. Um, that England win or England loss, whichever it may be. Yep. Um, so that, that is a shame. It, it's a real shame because that would be, it'd be a, a, a very interesting test for England. It would be the the most difficult test they would have faced in the World Cup. Oh, th- definitely thus, thus far. I mean, they've uh, basically beaten up a bunch of tier two nations and a fourteen man top f- uh, Super Rugby team, and that's it. They've not really had a game of international rugby yet, and it looks like they won't do until they see probably Australia. Uh, most likely Australia, unless Wales lose to Uruguay. Mm. Assuming that game does go ahead, which it most likely will do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, their first real game is going to be against Australia, which is you know kind of an easy way to get through through to a semi, I'd guess. Mm, we'll see. My, my take on the well, sorry, go on. No, no go on, well, Tim. We, give you. We can get to that. I was going to say, I'm just just de- dealing with the, the the cancellations and and all the fallout from that, and we don't know exactly. It looks like it's more likely than not that the Scotland-Japan game will go ahead, but potentially behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, due to the safety issues surrounding players. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, not players. Supporters getting to the ground. Yeah. Which affected think... tra- transport and things like that. Yeah, so can I just point something out, which you probably won't appreciate from back in the UK. And unless you've been to Japan, you really won't appreciate this. And you know, maybe it's a thing to it, maybe there's not. But I pointed out to Phil whilst walking around Osaka when we first arrived and it's, it's repeated across all Japanese cities all of the infrastructure which is buried in the UK is all above ground so there's got like 32 million utility posts up and down um, Japan so in this country when you have you know uh, a really strong wind a tree blows down fine they, cl- uh, they clear it up gone in Japan, when you get a really strong wind, if these utility posts blow down, that's it, like your power cables, your phone lines, it's a lot. I mean, the amount of damage that it can do is is absolutely vast. And they've ended up like this because they wanted to reconstruct Japan very, very quickly after the Second World War. So, you know, you might think it's quite easy to get to a stadium post-typhoon uh, or post-a-windy-day 
It really isn't. I mean, from what I can see, it could be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not necessarily... Uh, my, my, sort of, my, my, my broad thought on the games being cancelled is um, fine. Is On the one hand, it's like, yes, you can see from World Rugby's rules to which all the teams signed up to. Yep. Yes, that's what they said. They were not going to have contingency plans for pool stages and not going to rearrange games. There is some change to that. There are some people who've been suggesting, after doing a bit of digging, I think it was in The Guardian today, um, that, that there were contingency plans. However, the contingency stadium for England, if England's Fran- England-France game was called off, was 14 miles away um, at the Tokyo Stadium rather than the... Um, what's it called? The Yo... Uh, uh, Yokohama. 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 Yeah. Uh, and, uh, which is also going to be affected. But no, just generally speaking, yes. That's what World Rugby uh, decided. And I think it's actually, my biggest takeaway from this is, it's a reminder that rugby is a small sport. And well, when I mean, we're in it, we feel like it's the only, it's, it's a big deal. But it's a small sport. If this had been the Football World Cup, there is no doubt every necessity would be made to fly players and coaching staff and stuff to another country if need be to make sure the game would play, there was there would be no doubt that the integrity of the sport and, and, and how the sport unfolds, whatever that means for sports and for stadiums and stuff, that they would have kept that intact. Okay. Um, rugby, rugby is small and the costs meant that that was prohibitive. Um, and I think it is a bit of a shambles, the situation that we've got to, that the sport doesn't have the integrity that it had. And I think basically... When you, it's only with hindsight you can say this. But once you acknowledge rugby can't afford to have forty pool games potentially moved in date or stuff, there's not the money, there's not the um, logistics to actually make that happen. I think then you have to decide. Let's not have a World Cup in typhoon season. Okay, in a so, country that has typhoons. So there's just a few things I point out here. So um, uh, hum, hum, humble brag time. I was in uh, Japan. And I was in a Shake Shack, and I happened to sit next to one Daniel Ricardo, the F1 driver. So after a bit of digging, me and Phil and the other boys that we were with discovered that Mr. Ricardo, his annual salary is more than every Welsh player combined, plus every Fijian player combined. And you could probably throw the England players in there, and he'd probably exceed all three squads in annual salary. And the reason, the reason I'm mentioning that is he is part of a massive sport, which is F1. And they have also yeah. been called off. So I don't think the size of the sport necessarily matters. The other thing is, logistically, it's a huge country. I mean, you don't realise this, but it's like thousands of kilometres long. So when this typhoon, which is enormous in its own right, hits... Which is over a thousand kilometres yeah. wide. So like, you know, how do you move all these games? And you just start to think, I mean, I've never organised... Oh, exactly. I just, I, just, yeah. I just said that. I said, it, I said it might come down to money and it might come down to logistics. But once you decide it's not possible but I don't to, think keep, anyone to necessarily could... keep the integrity of the sport then but I don't think anyone then can do it probably, it's only with hindsight that you can say don't have a world cup in a, in a typhoon prone country in typhoon season well no because I, I, I disagree with that too um, I, just let's think about rugby and, and the logistics you want to move a football team you get 11 scrawny guys onto a plane fly them somewhere else give them a ball fine if you want to move a rugby team over a, you know, a certain distance. I mean, have you seen what England are travelling with? They've got like a semiotic. Sorry, they've got a a semi truck, and in that truck are things like 
um, you know, tackle bags, balls, uh, uh, rowing machines. I mean, the whole. I understand. Have you seen what Scotland? Have you seen what Scotland offered to travel with to somewhere else? <laughs> Go on, like backpacks. Just, just... Just the players, just the players <laughs> and essential staff. Well, I mean, you know, I, I do get you can make different um, di- different arrangements, but it's difficult. But, but the England team has been moved. They've not just yeah, stayed, they've, they've not they've not just stayed, they've taken their whole training squad. Everyone has moved away from it. miles. Yeah. Oh, don't. I'm not saying so, it so can't it, be done. I'm just saying it's no, very it, difficult. It, but that, it literally yeah. has been done. Yeah, but that's <laughs> but that's the easy part, right? I mean, that is a really easy part mm. because the hard part is things like okay you've got to turn on a stadium uh, you know if you have a full production a full game you've got to find all the agency stuff all the security stuff i mean what does united have on a match day like five thousand staff yeah but the, 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 so a lot of the suggestion is not to do that to do it behind closed doors yeah so, now, so you'd, you'd switch off 90 percent of that other stuff yeah now that is the situation which i'm not sure about i don't understand why that can't go ahead actually and that isn't a cost thing because World Rugby can definitely afford to have a close... So there must be a really good reason, because they just don't cancel games for, um, you know, just because they can't be bothered. Or I mean, no one's saying that, so I, no, I know. I'm not suggesting it's about can't be bothered. Like, like I say, if you read the Guardian article that came out today, and I, I assume they wouldn't have printed it without two sources and done the, the due diligence. Well, no, but, I don't know, it is the Guardian. Uh, but, but, but yeah, exactly. But there's been no official quotes... And what they what they've said is that they've found out that um, the the contingency plan that they'd said. I mean, uh, Gilpin is it the guy from World Rugby said months ago, even a year ago, he said we've had, we've been planning this for years. We know it's in typhoon season. Natural disasters are forefront in our mind. And what it turns out is, that if this Guardian article is correct, is that the England France France contingency was to move it fourteen miles, and it's only uh, and they looked at uh, I can't I can't pronounce the name Oita. No, no, no. They, yeah, Oita. Oita, Oita. They looked at. They looked at at the very last minute. They looked at moving England France to Oita, and it just it was it, it wasn't possible to do it at late notice. Is what people are yeah. hearing. Not that it's not possible to do it, but they just left that level of contingency planning too late. Yeah. yeah but, I so mean, I just think it's very. It's very... easy to it's easy to say with hindsight and had a had a typhoon not happened and obviously again just going back to what i said at the very start this is in completely separate from hoping that everybody that might be affected by a typhoon dies is safe is safe oh, right, and sorry, well. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so just one extra thing to add in there um it's i think timing in this is really important because um oh, yeah so y- this is the end of the group stage this is the final weekend of the group stage quarterfinals are mm-hmm. one one week later if it, if it were football, as you suggested before, Tim, players can play every two to three days. Yeah, you cannot you cannot delay these group stages, even if all teams agreed um, to within um, two or three days of yeah. a quarter final. No, no one would accept and, that. And I think if Ireland Samoa got hit, yeah, you could rearrange that because you're taking one team from the south of Japan and moving them up. But like the fact that it is. On the east coast, it is on the east coast. I hope it's on the east coast. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, southeast. It's basically, Tokyo, right? Tokyo. Well, uh, they've got it's, three it's central games. Japan, but it is the southeast side yeah. of the of central Japan. So, like, then you've got three games to move, and that, that's just a little bit more difficult. So, you know, I, yes, there could be levels and levels and levels, but they were never to know. I mean, last it, last week it was going to be uh, the Island Samoa game, and now it's th- and now it's the three other games. But I, you know, I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, you must if you're going to take a World Cup to someone which isn't a tier one nation. 
take it to Japan. Japan is the third largest economy in the world. It's worth the risk. And maybe the contingency plan- planning is, well, we're going to have to cancel some games. And I think it is, is or, worth the risk, or, and I think it's or worth canceling. Maybe games. the plan is, may, or maybe the plan is, and and you know this speaks to a bigger issue of Turkey's never not with, not wishing to vote for Christmas at any point. Sometimes the long term and the bigger picture is more important than you getting your um, pound of flesh tomorrow. Apparently. And this and this. So what I mean is, this World Cup was held in Japan at this particular time to please. The Sanzar are nations. Okay, I see that. So I thought where you're going with that is don't hold it in Japan because no, yeah, hold no. it in Japan. But you know, so, so, so compromises, co- compromises are having to be made. We, we talk about this, the, the, the World League or whatever sort of formation, and look at Fiji and look how they've come on, and how can we do this and they are, and it always comes back to the same thing. It's always about money now, money tomorrow, not money in ten years time. And I just think rugby has got to think bigger and not be so short-sighted and again it's easy to say now it, this typhoon might not have happened and it's it's a freak occurrence the site the scale of it is certainly a freak occurrence uh, and uh, but it, it just speaks to something bigger that rugby has got to get his head out of its ass and think longer term well i'm a little bit more relaxed on it than that uh, not from a fan's point of view and i'll go into that in a bit more detail later but um you know from a you know, big picture point of view so what france england got cancelled as long as scotland japan goes ahead i can basically yeah. live with it that that is the big one. Yeah. In terms of the consequences of the game, and that's t- the one that has to happen. I get that. And I, and I tell that, you what, one, the one, one thought. One thought. Have you imagined? Can you imagine what this looks like to non-rugby fans who might have might be getting interested in it? Football fans, the sort of people that sure, rugby no, needs to actually try and convert. It's fine. We're all already converted. But surely but it just. Looks, I, surely I'll, I'll tell you, I work. I work on a floor with. With talk sport, sorry to keep going. Yeah, I, I work work on talk, uh, floor talk sport, and they're all just football guys. They can't, none of them can get their head around this. What are you playing at? What sort <laughs> of tin pot sport is this? Didn't is what they, is what they're all is what football fans are saying. Didn't they hold Japan and Korea World Cup around September as well? From what I remember, uh, was it, no, was it the summer? Not, normally, June, no, 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 June no, time. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'd just say it's summer. I'd just say they're feeling. You know, they'd be. They must be feeling the same way about rugby as they, as they must do about F1. Look, these things happen, and that's it. I mean, there's not much more you can do, do about it. I think the decision to take it to Japan was fine. You know, it, it's just one of those things. The only people that I really feel sorry for are the fans, and that's it. And yeah, it's always the human stories. Uh, it's yeah. always the human stories that are the ones that matter. And we talked about Geraldini and Zani and Parise, and I I feel sorry for them. But like well, you say, thousands would have been spent people. Well, as far as those boys are concerned, they have plenty of time to win. I don't think this has made. In fact, if anything, it's improved their record. Um, as as for Scotland, their ultimate contingency would have been to beat Ireland. So you know, it is it is what it is. And uh, England and France. Well, I mean, they've they've done what Scotland should have done, which is win every game, and that's why they're okay. Here's what. Um, well, I, no, I, I, I don't agree with that. I know that's what Eddie Jones said that he knew this might happen, so they were focused on winning the early games. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like those teams didn't try and win, and only one team can win any given yeah, game on yeah, any yeah. given day. Uh, by the way, Gregor Townsend was fine about it when it was Ireland getting cancelled. So, like, oh well, I guess typhoons happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's been he's been misquoted. He has been misquoted there. He did say that, but then, <laughs> but then the the sentence that gets left off of the Gregor Townsend quote. Is he says the next sentence that gets 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 locked off is I'm not sure. I'd hope there's some possibility to move the game. Uh, 
Well, can I uh, read you a tweet, Tim? Yeah. Okay. So, um, as we're talking about typhoons, Stuart Barnes, um, the eminently clever Stuart Barnes, according to who, uh, accord, uh, according to whoever you listen to, but I think they're getting intelligence and well-read mixed up. He quote tweeted uh, a tweet which said, well, said something along the lines of, um, "I basically." I hope that a game gets called off so rugby fans realise that there is a climate emergency. To which he quote tweeted and said, "Yeah, uh, yes, I agree, um, paraphrasing here, I raised this on the ruck. Which is an astounding comment for someone as privileged as Stuart Bonds, Bonds to make. So I always think about, um, uh, I always think about my old rugby coach, Mark, um, Mark Lloyd. Uh, and the reason I think about him is because last World Cup, he took his son and his old man to Uruguay, the Uruguay-England game, which t- actually turns out to be rubbish for reasons that we all know. Uh, and the reason that he did that is because he never went to watch um, in international rugby because he's completely committed to his club. And that's the only time that he, that, uh, that he could really do it. And the point I'm making there is lots of people have gone out to Japan on a very special trip, maybe with their, you know, maybe with their savings, maybe on a trip of a lifetime, that kind of thing. And Stuart Bonds would be more than happy for them to experience a typhoon or a natural disaster, just so everyone is as aware of climate change as Stuart Barnes is, which is an absolutely remarkable statement, considering that Stuart Barnes has been to almost every major rugby tournament there is over the last decade, maybe two decades, and for the most part, he, part, he flew there. So think about this. Scientists in the LA Times have calculated that uh, for every metric ton of carbon dioxide released, three square metres of Arctic sea ice uh, 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 will be lost. So a flight from, say, London to uh, New York return would cost you three square metres of Arctic sea ice. Where's Stuart Bonds now? He's in Australia. But what's most important is that the fans feel the wrath of the weather just so they feel just so they can think more like Stuart Barnes, which is the most stupid, most stupid and short sighted thing I have ever heard in my life. And nasty. Does this have anything to do with you getting blocked by Stuart Barnes? Your your tirade against him? Uh well this, yeah, this I mean week. that was subsequent to get subsequent to getting blocked. But it is remarkable that the man is currently in in Australia sipping red wine. Whilst telling everyone that they, you know, that they need to be wary of their carbon footprint, would you suggest that he's con- contributed <laughs> more or less than the average person, the, the average fan? Uh, I would imagine a significant degree more. So, I, I mean, he's also tweeted the following, right? Which is he <laughs> hopes that the police change side on, on the climate protests. Now, I understand he's, he's strong. He feels very strongly about this. I feel very strongly about having lower tax rates. But I would never want the police, uh, 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 police to change sides because that would mean effectively the breakdown of. Um, a breakdown of society. But this guy apparently is remarkably intelligent. I just think it's so short-sighted and so hypocritical to say something like, I hope that they experience bad weather so they can all think more like me whilst he's in Australia. It is, it's, it's just unbelievable. And this isn't the first time, actually, he's come out against a Japanese World Cup. In fact, he helped sink the first attempt at a Japanese World Cup when he was recruited onto the bidding team of a rival World Cup. So next time he tweets out about profit motives, we might want to ask where his profit motive is. It's absolutely outrageous. Well, I'm sure, but to be fair to him, to be to be fair to him, JB, I'm absolutely sure that the 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 the, the kind of socialist narrative that you, that you get a lot on Twitter. Um, which gets lots of likes and retweets. I'm absolutely sure what he he is 
distributing his income evenly among everyone that he works with. Like in Australia on the telly that he's doing, he'll be paying, he'll be making yeah. sure the runner and, and the inter- and the intern all get all get a slice of his income. I, I've got no doubt. I could not care less about his political persuasion, but I hate the hypocrisy of it. I hate it. You know, he has flown to European Cup finals. He's through, he's flown to you know every World Cup for God knows how long. Um, you know, the man has got more air miles than probably the, you know combined the you know the average fan times a hundred, and that's where we're at. And yet he's telling us. That I hope that you get some severe weather, so you can think about climate change on the same level that I am. Meanwhile, he's well, flying everywhere. It's 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 disgrace. It's absolute disgrace. Yeah, he's a, he's a high he's a high profile person. It kind of doesn't matter about anything except for exactly as you say, and exactly as I mentioned earlier. It's always the human stories that that are the ones that uh, that matter. And that, that you know, there was there was a, a, a couple that were highly publicised that would have saved up all this money and they've gone out for a honeymoon to, and this was the sort of centrepiece of this thing they've been planning and dreaming of for years. And you know what? There's a lot of people after the World Cup um, carnival has moved on. There's a lot of people in, in Japan that will be picking up the pieces for a long time yet. So um, obviously that's the human story that matters most. But yeah, it, it's it's churlish to, uh, yeah. to kind of... To, to, to piggyback on, yeah. on the back I mean, of all that, I, yeah. I, I, I would love to know uh, what level of co- of um, of carbon should be in the atmosphere before Stuart Barnes allows us a World Cup without a natural disaster. I, I would just like to know what his what his standard is. Anyway, rant over. Should we talk about some rugby? No, I've got a few more things to say Stuart, about Stuart Barnes. Actually, <laughs> oh, just 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 one just one final thing on this. Um, do you agree with Sergio Parise? That had New Zealand lost to South Africa and a cancelled game would have sent New Zealand home. The whole, the two-time holders, uh, well, the, the last two times, two World Cup winners would have sent them home with Italy staying in their place. Would World Rugby have had the games cancelled? Sergio Parisi no. thinks not. I, th- I agree with Sergio Parisi, 100%. But like I said previously, Sergio Parisi has not done enough in his storied career to suggest that he would change results. So why bother? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. No, no, that's no, not what I'm saying. No, no, you, so I, you, I, I agree with Sergio. I agree with Sergio because I think it's a, it's a different decision. So really, yeah. So what he's saying is, well, I, I, what I he's saying is, if, you just, just you just talked about Stuart Barnes having principles and hypocrisy, and I think principles matter, and principles are universal, and you can't. It's what's good for the goose has got to be good for the gander. Ha, ha, this isn't my point of view. This is what I think would happen. So you th- so you think world rugby would deal with it differently if New Zealand were going home and Italy were going through? I would say so. Which, which, New, Zeal- which, which New Zealand were only if they'd have lost to South Africa, that would be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Oh, uh, yeah. I I'd say it probably would happen. I mean, I think world rugby. Just going back to our original conversation, I think world world rugby have looked at the games and thought, yeah, you know, all these going to be competitive games. Now that might not be morally right, but I can see the logic there. If if it was the case that Italy were due to go through and New Zealand weren't because of the situation that Parise mentioned, I think they'd make every effort to get them. Because it's a materially different situation. I do. Mm. I tend to agree. Again, mm. it's not what I would do. Because I think you're, I know, have, I, you, I, you're on a consistent approach. But It's I think, not what I agree with, but I'd probably yeah, do it. I think, I think they would because 
the All Blacks are such a valuable brand. Yeah, they are, and they do they also are, win. That's they, the other thing. Yeah, they are the most valuable brand in world rugby. Uh, so, and maybe maybe that's me being cynical. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I can't. I, I I I guess I don't. Well, my thought is that I don't. I actually don't agree. I think world rugby are trying to apply a consistent and fair and un, an impartial approach, which is why they've said to Scotland, we can't just move the game because we, if we just move or postpone or uh, take, take your game to a different venue, we have to do it with all of the games. And I think once they realise they can't do it for all of them, they can't do it for one of them. So I, I really don't want to think that World Rugby would treat this differently and I'll take them at their word that they didn't. In which yeah. case, and I know it's all hypothetical, it doesn't really matter, in which case the 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 lack of thought of this potential scenario to the degree that it should have been done before the World Cup means that that is how close this is yeah. to the double world champions going out on a technicality. Absolutely right. And I'm happy to take World Rugby on their word for this yes. because we'll never need to test it. Yeah, it is. You're exactly right, Tim. It's all hypothetical. It's all hypothetical. But, but I, my, in my hypothetical, I probably would do as Sergio is suggesting. Yeah. And I imagine that the bright minds in World Rugby, when you put their feet to the fire, they might agree. It does. I mean, but they don't need to now, so yeah. who cares? Yeah, it's just a hypothetical. They are very lucky. They are very, very well. In, in some respects, World Rugby are lucky, as you say, that if they yeah. manage to get the Japan Scotland game in some some fashion. Who would have thought that having uh, two two or three games cancelled would be lucky? <laughs> yeah, but they, yeah. They, 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 I think they're going to get 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 away with it nicely. I think that I think they are. Uh, so Wales played um, Fiji. Do you watch that? Yeah, that <laughs> was so good. Uh, I Fiji, right? Fiji are a team. Obviously, it's easy to fall in love with Fiji. And my my strategy for watching this game is I was going to support Fiji for the first half and then Wales for the second. <laughs> I thought that would, that would be sensible. But I see a, a, a problem here, really, and the problem is. When we get two Northern Hemisphere teams, I'll just go with Northern Hemisphere, or two Tier 1 teams, they play them broadly the same way, don't they? Which is, you know, one team might be better than the other, but fundamentally it's about winning the, you know, the shoulder battle, getting lower than your position, dropping your body height, driving the feet, all pretty normal stuff. Disrupting set-piece. Disrupting set-piece. Uh, dominant kicking game. Yeah. Good kick chase. Sadly, Fiji don't do any of this, so they're an absolute nightmare. So, uh, did you see? Was it the Bill Matter offload to, to to start the game with with that clean break? Yes. How yeah. on earth, with the high tackle framework, do you even consider defending that? Because the ball is around the guy's head, he is completely upright. You're going to go low, he's going to offload, and if you go high to stop the offload and you hit the head, you're getting a yellow. Minimum. Minimum. Min- minimum. So what do yellow. you do? All right, and then Ken Owens goes in with what looks like a good tackle. He's got his head to looking down. You would say he's in complete control of his body. In 99.9999% of, of, of tackles he's going to make using that exact style, the opposition player will be lowering his body height too. They make a tackle. It's good. Everyone goes home safe. Well, this Fijian fella is it about as upright as you can... Matter again. Oh, matter again, yeah? It was about as upright as you can get trying to throw an offload. In fact, he might have actually thrown an he, offload. He did. He'd, right. he'd offloaded before, it, which meant that he didn't dip his body at all. He, he goes in totally upright. Which And it, cartwheels over the top. Of which it. messes everything up, because now Ken Owens has got a problem that he's too low. So, 
in terms of high tackle frameworks, they're great if everyone is playing at the same height or lower, but they're terrible if if, if you're playing Fiji. They're going to give you one hell of a headache. There's some unbelievable skill in this game, though. So you that that the, first the, offload was like it was like seeing the Cruyff turn for the first time ever. <laughs> But also, I know you're talking about you talk. You rightly talk about the high tackle framework, but that, and, and you're right, Phil, to less to highlight the skill. But also, you, Fiji gave some of the best examples of bone crunching legal hits. Oh my legal. god, Rad yeah. Rada, Rad Rada. If Rad Rada's not one of the best players on the planet, uh, I mean, he, I don't know who who is better. He was he was by far the best player on the pitch in this game, mm. and there were some unbelievable performances from both teams. Josh Tuasova was unbelievable. In fact, the only other guy I can think of with the outright talent of those two would be Corabetti for Australia. I mean, might Oh, be... he was good. He was good again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are other people with maybe better skills. There might be the occasional lad that is stronger, but you know, for balance and running and just completeness, those three are outrageous. Well, no, those two, Corabetti and Radrada. Tuasova is very, very good, but maybe not on their level. Oh, Tuas- or maybe he is. Yeah, Tuasova is, is on that level, in my maybe opinion. Maybe so's Bill Mata. I mean, <laughs> they're just. I mean, God. I mean, they're just some 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 team. But if you, you talk about the differences between Fiji and uh, a normal, let's say normal uh, tier one team, and some of the skills were just unreal, uncoachable. Yes. But some of the basics that Fiji failed to display, mm. like some of their kick chases were... Lazy. Schoolboy level. Yeah. Like total schoolboy level. And they conceded so many easy yards to Wales and made it easy for Wales to clear their lines uh, yeah. and, and regather territory and possession that it was just... They didn't do themselves any favours. And it's such an interesting, contrasting style. So you've got the Fijians who are only interested in playing when they're interested in playing. It's kick chase, not really their thing. Offloading, massively um, massively their thing. And you've got Wales who are basically the quintessential Northern Hemisphere side. Yeah, they have a a blueprint that they play to. A big part of that blueprint is uh, doing the... um, the basics very very well mm. um and only when you do the basics very very well do you earn the right to actually play Flo- whereas fiji is the exact it's the polar opposite yeah well their basics all the off i mean you build it the, the other way around you work in the basics of, of offloading and, and then the complex beat 10 defenders yeah in a, a single um sequence of play but uh, the upshot of this is this is a phenomenal game for wales wales to win uh and a very physical game for Wales. Yeah. Oh, Hadley Parks. I mean, Hadley Parks is known as a physically dominant man. He got battered a number of times. He never wants to see another Fijian in his life. <laughs> I mean, that was after Go 10 on, minutes. And do you know what? Um, to, to coin a JB-ism right now, I'm only, I, I was wrong in how right I was about Wales. Why? What, what do you say about Wales? I, I, I said, before the tournament, I said... I think they'll go. I think they stand to go further than any other Northern Hemisphere side, and that they are massively underpriced at twelve to one as they were. They were twelve to one in England, were four. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. One to win the World Cup. Mm, I'm and, still uh, not having them uh, win it. Uh, well, no, I, I said to, I, I said I can see them getting to a final um, more, more so than England and more so than Ireland. I said that before the tournament. Yeah, I don't think uh, Ireland are up to much. I think England are actually. I hate to I hate to admit this. I think England are looking terrifying. But, but England, in, England will face New Zealand in the semi-final yeah. if they get through Wales, Australia. Wales's route is favourable. So Wales will play, assuming they beat Uruguay, they'll play France. Then the winner of what is, well, what could be either Japan, uh, South Africa, or Ireland, South Africa. I do not fancy Wales against France one bit. That only looks easy on paper. No, I, th- I think Wales will. I mean, be France took them very, very close in in the, in the Six Nations. This, the rumor, the rumor is, France wants Wales in the in the in the quarters over. Argentina, sorry, Argentina, Australia, Australia, Australia yeah. because they're a known they're they're a known quantity. The last thing I would want to see as a Welsh fan, if I was one, would be a confident French team. The last thing I think they can do England. I think they can do maybe South Africa, maybe not South Africa. Yeah, maybe not South Africa, maybe not the All Blacks. They could do England. They could do Australia. But the- you're not really going to get a confident France though, because. Their last performances have been... They've not had the opportunity to have a confidence builder against, well, anyone. Because their last performances were, frankly, dreadful. Uh, their last two, USA and, and Tonga. And again, to yeah. go back to it, with the, game, with the game being called off against England, yes, they can't um, build that confidence. Or equally, they can't have their pride dented. Um, but also, it just shows they were a refereeing decision away from going out of a World Cup. Because the, uh, Argentina, yeah. I was I, were livid at the end of that France game. So no, yeah. I, 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 there's nothing that inspires confidence in me about about France going into a game against Wales. Uh, well, how about having a revolt against their coach? And last time they did that, they made the final. True. I mean, that's. I, I think they're going to be okay. I really do. Well, you've got them. Oh, it's on the whiteboard. It's got. It is on the whiteboard. They're going to the final. They're yeah. going to the final. <laughs> It was originally on the whiteboard that they were going to win the damn thing. I mean, they might still win it. I mean, if they're in the final, <laughs> you know, they've got a damn good chance. Um, I mean, uh, oh, anyone got anything to say about the Thomas Ramos story? It's an interesting one. So he left He left the French camp due to an injured ankle that was going to keep him out of the rest of the tournament a week or ten days ago. And he's just been announced that he will be playing, starting for Toulouse this weekend. Wow. In the top 14. I mean, um, wow. There's something going on there. I don't know what. I can't, again, I can't imagine that there's anything dodgy there. It must just be that they misdiagnosed or didn't, or thought it was more severe and he's recovered quicker than they. It must be as simple as that. Maybe he flew. Otherwise. He might have flown to Fiji to go and see Waisaki Naholo's. uh, which, don't, which doctor? Don't mention that because Ben Ryan will be all over your Twitter <laughs> correcting you. Uh, maybe that happened. Um, here's a more a more important point. 
I thought that these players, as soon as the international season finished, got five weeks off. I know England do. England do. A different... But Thomas Ramos has to play. Um, Isn't it a mid... No, it's a minimum (laughs) of two weeks since your last game. So if Ramos didn't play in the previous game, did he? I think so. I seem to remember him playing. Would that be two weeks prior to the game he's going to start in? Okay, well, the England guys have a month. I thought, I thought international players had to have a two-week two week rest, is what I thought. In season, yes. The five weeks that you're thinking of is in between seasons. Yes. So at the, once the Premiership final finished, the England players had to have a mandated five-week But they, never, they either never did, or they had no, like two weeks of it, followed by three weeks afterwards. No, so, I, they did. They, they, they had stepped out. Oh, I down. think you're right, actually. Yeah, they, I think you're they right. They definitely did. So, yeah, because the controversy was of some, for instance, Scotland lads who would be going to camp with Scotland without their five weeks rest. Yeah. So the the debate then would be, do they get the rest on the Scotland time or on the Premiership team? On the Premiership, team? yeah, yeah. But it was mandated they have to have five weeks rest. Everyone... Yeah. The, the no, England... so Thomas Ramos, Thomas Ramos is like the opposite of the of the Gilets jaunes. Like, they're... That they're they're having civil unrest to try and striking, and he's actually probably got legitimate opportunity to not work, and he's choosing to work. <laughs> yeah, well, if I was paid what Thomas Ramos has paid, I'd blow bloody go to work. <laughs> Maybe picked up by the <laughs> by the council if he doesn't work. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So he doesn't need to. Why is he working? He should be drinking. Uh, Who's his agent? Espresso and eating pan au chocolat. Ex- oh, exactly. Yeah, again, nothing works weirder than French rugby. So when you think you've got a handle on them and you know what's going to go on, let me tell you, you do not know. And the more you think you know, the, the less you actually do. Okay. There's a couple of questions I, I just want to ask. It just popped into my head. What is the, the high-pitched noise that they make before every kickoff? I don't know, but I like hate it. question of, ole! Yeah, what, what is it? It's a... Uh... I, was... I don't know what it yeah. is, what they're yeah. saying. You can't tell on the telly. It, it's... I, I don't like it because it's so unfamiliar to me. Like I think I know what it's going to be, and then I can't repeat it, and I can't get involved with it. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like it. It's just a generic sound. I like the bong, <laughs> the, uh, gong, the gong, gong, bong, the gong, gong is good. I like. I like the drums. In fact, the games that I went to and bits I can remember of them um, <laughs> were phenomenal. But that is w- one thing I don't particularly like. Well, speaking of games, I love the mascots. I love that the mascots. Sorry, I love the mascots that go out, learn the national anthem of the team that they're with. Seeing yeah. Alan Wynne Jones hugging that little, that little chubby Japanese lad who was singing, uh, yeah. "Land of My Fathers." Uh, no, sorry, not "Land of My Fathers." What's yeah, it, it called? Yeah, oh, Land of My that, Fathers. That, yeah, yeah. That is the translation. Yes, singing that, singing "Land of My Fathers," and, and him and Alan Wynne Jones hugging each other was just—it was lovely. Yeah, it's a, it, it, you know. The, Despite the typhoon, it has been a cracking tournament so far. Speaking of games that we went to, since we last recorded, which was in the aftermath of England-Argentina... Oh, sorry, I thought you meant in the aftermath of our night out after England-Argentina. Because well, I, I didn't... Um, I, by the way, again, because of the Extinction Rebellion, I went down to London on the Sunday night and thought that I'd be able to use a uh, a machine at work, none of which allowed... Skype or whatever, or, or no, uh, sorry, none of which allowed me to record you on Skype, so I couldn't speak to you. But did did, did any part of you feel a little bit sorry for Thomas Lavanini, by the way? Yeah, um, right. So, sorry to that he has been kind of messed up in that way, but it's for me red card under the, the new there is the new framework, yeah. the old framework, any framework, any framework, any framework, pick, framework, pick a framework is a red card. Uh, what I have a problem with. And me and Phil had a heated debate 
about this once I settled my mind on exactly what I meant. Is the idea of reckless play getting red cards? Yes. I understand. Exactly. I understand why you give red cards contact to the head. But what I don't understand is how you think you can change the behaviour. And how do you think that in this sort of sport you can change behaviour? So the onus is on people in different coloured shirts to make decisions to make sure they have full control of their bodies. Otherwise, it's reckless and regardless of the outcome, you're going off. Or, sorry, regardless of the intent, you're going off. Whereas if you happen to be in the same shirt, recklessness goes out the window. So you can charge into a ruck and smash your own player in the head. You can go up for the same high ball and knock out your fly half. You can... What was the other one? Um, There's two lads today with their Georgians... Um, heading for the ruck, head-to-head. Well, that's clearly reckless. I mean, nobody runs into their own player head-to-head if they're in control. They are clearly reckless. And I just hate that as a standard. Uh, and that's why I think intent has to be brought back into in, into reckoning as to exactly how you ref a game game of rugby. Doesn't mean Thomas... Yeah. 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 Doesn't mean Thomas Lavanini well, no, doesn't go. Exactly he still does. Sorry, JB. Sorry, I was just going to finish off. It doesn't mean Thomas Lavanini does not go. Uh, his is still a red, intent or not frankly. Um, but I just yeah. hate it as a standard. I thought, I thought, ben, I thought ben Kay had a, a nice suggestion where, again, picking up on that, where you differentiate between what we should mean when we say reckless and what has come to people start using as a definition of reckless. And a tackle that was done in kind of good faith but just poorly executed in the case of Thomas Lavanini um, isn't wasn't malicious wasn't no intent and someone gouging someone's eye fish hooking someone or um punching or stamping or um or swinging the arm into someone's yeah. head we can draw a line between the two and ben k's suggestion was what some people have dubbed an orange card but is maybe a you you have a 20 minute break and someone else has to replace the player I, the reason I don't like that is because would it not work in your favour if you did it just before half time, like ten minutes before the half? Bang, you're on the sideline for ten minutes. You've got your fresh replacement on just before the half. He gets a rest. He then gets to put out a massive shift the next ten, and then you come back on. No, no, no you don't come no, back on. No. So, so in that case, Thomas. La- oh, Thomas sorry, Lavanini twenty minutes off, and then well, somebody Thomas, else comes yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Thomas oh, Lavanini would say. have got a, um, a a technical red card rather than a foul play red card. Let's say. A technical red card, uh, which would have meant you can't return to the field of play, and Argentina can only replace you in fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or whatever. I am going to just, um, I'm going to contradict what I said before about it in intent, uh, and I'm just going to say that Thomas Labanini, no matter what um, system you, you're going under, I want to see that being be, be a red because that's just a collision to a head. Now there are other ones, for instance, I think the. Uh, Ken Owens situation where he wraps, he does everything textbook, and yet it, the outcome is still bad. That to me is not even a yellow. That's a, maybe a penalty uh, because there is. Li- I mean, the intent on Owens is to be as good a boy as you possibly can. Lavanini is looking to level um, uh, o- o- Owen Harrell, and it goes wrong, and he smashes him in the head. That's got to be a red card. I, I do. no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm yeah. not. I'm not doubting that. But I, I, I see totally what you're saying agree. about about the, the technical ones because there are others where you ride up. I mean, my point I was trying to make to Phil on the weekend is you cannot be in control of your own body throughout the entire process, no matter who you are. Because at some point, when you've made, decided to make that tackle, you will be out of control. 
Well, and in the case of Thomas Lavanini in that particular tackle, yes, so the behaviour is he needs to set himself and go lower full stop, but he hits Owen Farrell in the head because Owen Farrell steps him. Yeah, well, Owen Farrell's going... Which, in... which, happens, in, which happens in milliseconds immediately before what you anticipate the contact yeah. is going to be. Hey, if he was playing against Bill Matter, that would have been perfect. <laughs> it would have been one of the yeah. best tackles of all time. But it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm not. I'm not disputing. It should be a red. I just thought it was an interesting point uh, Ben K made about differentiating between yeah, foul yeah. play, right, like malicious foul play, and and clumsy foul foul play. So I, I don't hate the idea of another card, although it is just make, d- making yeah. it more. I, I I can understand where there are scenarios where a red card is not right and the yellow card is not right. Although you're com- complicating the game. The bit I don't yeah. like is trying to determine intent in the heat of the moment because I think you're just going to end up having more and more um, more and more replays, more and more TMO interference and more and more subjective calls. Oh, I'm okay ben with that. Skeen, Skeen will love that. Ben Skeen will bloody love that. Ben Who is Ben Skeen? Skeen? The, the He's TMO. a New Zealand TMO that cannot get enough of slow motion. Ah, right. I was yeah. wondering who on earth this guy... Because obviously being, you know, watching games in Japanese, you don't get to know who Ben Skeen is. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. fine. Good. Um, I was going to go on before to mention a game that we were at, another game that we were at, not the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the uh, England-Argentina game, the Argentina-USA game. Great game. Great game to be at. Well... It was a it was a, an interesting game to be at for some of us. Yes, yes, I, um, I, I imagine it would have been. So I made it to this game, Tim, because <coughs> I am a uh, committed podcaster and rugby fan. JB, I saw a pic, I saw a long range photo taken of you by uh, a listener who was in the ground, <laughs> could, took took it through a long lens, a photo of you. You're looking like you were having a power nap. Uh, that was uh, so. That was in the England Argentina game about oh sorry half an hour. After the game, um, when we were waiting for our Argentine cameraman Juan Juan the oh man my God. to come and uh, just do a little little video clip of me and JB after we'd had way too many <laughs> strong strong zeros. Strong zeros. Hey, do you know what strong zero is, Tim? Yeah, you said this. You nine percent lemonade. Your lemonade. Own... Yeah, it, it is the reason there's no crime in Japan. The, 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 the two, the two smashed to, to do anything. Yeah, I have never so ever. Is that why? Is that why we only saw your preview video from on the World Rugby Channel and not the post game? Correct. Uh, right. I was... There was there was a recorded post game <laughs> video that would have made no sense whatsoever <laughs> to anyone. We we met um, we met um, uh, <laughs> some some of the lovely people from World Rugby and. Um, a guy who will remain nameless asked us if he'd like to see it, and I said, "Never, never, let never." See the light never. Of day. This is please. This is how drunk I was. And I don't like bragging about how uh, how drunk I was because uh, you know it's just not Ooh, cool. Blood, blood. Yeah, but I, I I I I'll tell you. At one point during the Argentina England game, I was so consciously aware of how much alcohol was in my body. I covered up one eye because I was seeing double. <laughs> I couldn't focus on the game, and then afterwards, I was. I was sitting in the stadium and I was furious with furious with Phil, like seething with rage because he knows I've, uh, that I've lost my phone, and I think he's left me. I think he's gone. Meanwhile, Phil has actually sat two rows ahead of me in an empty stadium, and I just didn't notice him. <laughs> it's only when he got up to leave, I was like, "Oh, you're, you're still here!" <laughs> like it was um, 
God. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, and do you know? Who, do you know? Do you know who I met or after, uh, after the game? AJ. No, Twitter friend Sam Lorna, who is a lovely chap, and we went out for some Negronis. <laughs> these these pe- pe- people. It just people shows that, Twitter isn't can, real life. People that can be people that um can be trying on Twitter are always wonderful in real life. That's just the rule. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I've got another story for you actually about that about that that night and a guy who um who works for a large German insurer. But I think I'll save that for another, another time. time. Another time. Well, one one very brief story about the Argentina USA game was the fact that I made it. Uh, two friends of the pod, CJ and, and Steve, made it. JB went to Hello Kitty World in Tokyo instead <laughs> instead of travelling to uh, Kumagawa to watch Argentina versus USA. Well, uh, so, so what that means is JB hates freedom. That is true. I hate freedom. Um, I have no respect for the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, or or the Bill of Rights, or any of the amendments. But, to, to the <laughs> but, am I reading into that? You you do have a great respect for the sanctity of marriage, and you wanted to play the PR game when you got back home. Correct. Um, no. What, how it was explained to me this game is. There are two teams, and it's your last day in Tokyo, and these two teams are not going to exit the group stage. And here's the kicker. It's two hours travel there and two hours travel back. And at that point, I thought, no, I am not going to this game. I am going to go and go, sit at the bar and watch the, the other two, which is exactly what I did with, with a few highballs. It, it, was, it was a very entertaining game, considering it didn't mean anything. Um Argentina's backline finally kicked like they uh, clicked like we know they can do, and they scored some mm. brilliant tries. And USA, they scored a couple of nice tries, but their whole game was based around um, Joe Taufete, Titi Lamasatelli, and Paula Sica carrying bloody hard. And they are powerful, powerful carriers, but they. They really are blunt instruments compared to the kind of skill and guile of the Argentine backline. Yes. So it was. It was. I was glad I was there. A lovely day and a, a little bit less humid than uh, some of the previous days. Yeah. I tell you what. The best thing about being back in the UK, num- number one, the weather. I mean, I, I can't tell you how delighted I am to have like twelve degrees and rain. I, I was <laughs> delighted, delighted this morning. Num- <laughs> number two, the beds in Japan. I mean, they're okay. You can you can live there just about, but they range between like being in a pod, which was actually quite nice. Yeah. To basically what I can only describe as a shelf. Yeah, a shelf with two inches of foam. Two inches of foam, but two inches of non-breathable foam. So you wake up uh, so sweaty. Oh my god! Some of the hotel <laughs> rooms are. Oh, do you know? Do you know what a salary man is, Tim? Salary man. Yeah. I've no idea. So a salary man is somebody. Now, please, Phil, correct me if I'm exaggerating or I'm getting this wrong. A salary man is a man in Japan who basically works for a corporation and gets a salary of some of some description. Basically, a businessman. They call him a salary man. Is that correct, Phil? Yes, it's a bit more. It's a bit of a negative term, so it means a bit of a loser. Someone generally low ranked, um, and someone who has a job for life. Yes. So low-ranked job for life. So Now, now I never realised this, but one of the reasons for the drinking culture in Japan is that these salarymen, and, and uh, you know, this, this, this still blows my mind when, when, I, when I say it now, these salarymen 
were coming from outside of Tokyo. They work in Tokyo, not afford to live in Tokyo, and on occasions will sleep rough. So well, not just on occasions. I well, think it's for a, all it's week. A, it's a game plan for a lot of them from Monday to Friday. So it'd be like you, Tim, going working down in London. You get the train down on a Monday morning and sleep in uh, Regent's Point. Take, take, take a tent with me and, and sleep outside London Bridge Station. Not, yeah. not even with a tent. Yeah. Not even with a tent. And Just that's why sleep. they get so hammered, because it's get, easier to sleep. Get drunk every night in a izakaya, um, and then just sleep on a park bench. Until... How, many drinks, how many drinks would you have to drink before you could have afforded a room and not drunk? I, this is a great good, question. That is a good question. Because a, a pod hotel is only 30 quid. In Fukuoka, I, we didn't do one in Tokyo. It'll be probably a bit more expensive. I, I, but, but that is a great question. Like forty quid? I mean, like forty? Yeah, quid. Yeah, forty or fifty quid. That, they won't even buy you that much drinking in, in, in Japan. <laughs> I mean, how many strong zeros can sound, you? Have? It does sound like the sort of thing a functioning alcoholic would say. I'm only doing this <laughs> because I have to. I've got no choice. Yeah, pod hotels are great. I've got, I do pod hotels. The Pod Hotel was wow. very good fun That's with the onsen. Fascinating. Uh, hey, did anyone see Georgia Australia today? Yes, a festival of non-rugby. Yeah, this was interesting. I know. Oh no, I did see that. Oh, just one thing you mentioned onsen. I, I just want to mention something else that Ben K put in a Times column, which was absolutely amazing. It was in the wake of the um, England Argentina game and about the red card, and he said on the top floor there was an onsen of the hotel. Ben K was in there. Roman Poit came in and he thought, I'll have a chat with him about the um, about the officiating decisions and stuff. And he said, Pascal Gauzet, the, the French referee, also came in. He said, rather than getting the onsen, he just stood there chatting to them. But the way Ben Kay put it was brilliantly. He said, Pascal Gauzet chose to just stand there uh, chat, chatting to us instead. Anyway, after that rather impressive distraction... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Sorry, so yeah, um, Georgia, Georgia, Australia. Yeah, just a, a display of non-rugby. Uh, Australia, amazingly inept. Um, I didn't agree with the analysis, though. So the I didn't either. So yeah. go on. I'd, I'd like to hear your take on it. Well, for, one of the things that they said is um, Tamua is a twelve, not a ten. Yeah, I get that, and that you need two playmakers in the back line. Yeah, I get that, but they sort of came up with the wrong, wrong reason, which is you need two playmakers in the back line to go either side of the ruck or to be a second first receiver should the first one go down. Not because you play with two first receivers in the same back line for the same move. I, I thought that was quite an important distinction. And obviously uh, losing Curtly Beal, who would be, well, actually your third playmaker in yeah. that, that back line. Uh, and also... That's a bit of a short. That's a bit of a short memory, isn't it? From when Tamua came on a fly half and almost run the show. Turned yeah, head. Yeah, change, change the game. Yeah. So I didn't agree with that. Um, I thought Australia should the, really have gone. The bit that I didn't agree with was so the, there seemed to be a suggestion, particularly after the game, that Australia w- were not wanting to show their hand to yes sa- that. save them save their moves for England kind of thing yeah now that i know that it's not totally ridiculous and totally unheard of to suggest that i think actually in this game it's something slightly different which is australia played a very simple very tight game which is it's not about not wanting to show your hand Actually, this was about preparing exactly what your hand is going to be for a quarter-final. 
That's interesting. I never thought that. So it, it it's not a. It was it, it was the polar opposite from what they were suggesting. Why on earth would you practice that against Georgia? See, it wasn't particularly successful against Georgia, and think this is how we beat England. Well, maybe they've tested it. What their plan A was going to be, and they hope they rip it up, and they might, they might rip it up, burn and it, turn turn against it. Now, the other thing I did get a feeling of was. So Australia in the first half against Wales, their scrum, their set piece has, has been good throughout the tournament. And the scrum is much better than Georgia's. Their, their scrum was dominant. Yeah. And I think they wanted to present a picture, not just to England, but to the referees of the, how dominant their scrum can be. Because yes. if the referees go into a game knowing that, bloody hell, this Australia pack has just beaten up the, the mightily impressive Georgia pack, then decisions will go in their favour. Yeah, they really did beat them up. So, and that's that what Checker said after the Wales game, where he said, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe Australia's not allowed to scrum. Yeah, he, he was not happy, was he, about the way, particularly in the second half, how it, it was officiated. No, I must ask, why does Checker not know the laws of the game now? <laughs> I mean, it's such a silly thing, thing to say. Um, yeah, Australia. Yeah, do you know, you, you kind of made me change my mind a bit now. I was going to say they look completely, completely inept, but their their scrum is strong. They've got two monstrous second rows who are superbly, superbly athletic. And if I was Australia, I'd be running Karebi down Owen, Owen Farrell's channel over and over and over again yeah. until he throws in a high shot. Karevi followed by Curran Betty. Yep, yep, yeah. I think that's that. That's the that's the that's actually their um, system against England is play play the territorial game. The, the Nick yeah. White's going to box kick for days. Um, Karevi straight up the middle and uh, and just hope that they get a couple of opportunities for Haylett Petty and Cora Betty to get a bit of space because they are Betty both is, awesome. is Johnny May level of unpredictable brilliance with ball in hand. He's super. Uh, he's he, I mean, Radrada levels. Yeah, he might be. Actually, he he's, he's above jo- Johnny May. I, I said it. I, I think I think he is as well. Actually, like he's just ridiculous. I, I, the way he moves, um, yeah, not well, uh, not. I'm not human. Going to talk about my Johnny May like that. We'll we'll, we'll see <laughs> next weekend, won't we? Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, so it, it was just a basic. Guess it is quite an interesting game. Uh, more interesting is Georgia didn't finish third, so they've got to qualify again. Uh, yeah, because you got the the tie with Uruguay, Fiji, and Georgia all winning one game, haven't you? Yeah, so did Fiji qualify third? So they don't need to qualify. I think so. Yeah, yeah they must do. Uh, unless Uruguay beat Wales. Which, yeah, they might do. It's, it's not impossible. It's not, in, not impossible. Sure, uh, we, should, we should wrap this up for now because we can, we can go through all of the permutations for the quarterfinals when we know exactly right. who's playing who. Yes, we, we can. Now, do we need to pick some games? Um, oh, yeah. After Betfair, you should definitely make sure that you lay a bet with Betfair. They've got some brilliant odds, some brilliant deals and you can actually um what i only learned recently what what laying a and um, what's the what's the phrase where you bet against yeah lay. the bet mm-hmm. lay to, yeah, to back, yeah back, you can, you, so you back a team and then lay lay that te- lay that bet mm. yes exactly so you can do that as well with them and the bet that i've done for this weekend is my betfair um prediction bet and i was right on the um I was robbed on the first week by England not bloody kicking the ball out. They would have won by the 40 points that I predicted. And on the second one, I said it would be Argentina by two scores. 
uh, by four. Uh, sorry, um, England would beat Argentina by a minimum of fourteen points. And this week, I have said that I'm predicting Namibia to get their first ever World Cup win against who? Canada. Oh, nice! That is a that's not a bad prediction at all. Yeah, it is good. Uh, well, I've got two. I've got nil nil draw England France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you and Rob Howley had that one. <laughs> um, I've got Scotland to win by a score, I think, uh, and I've got Ireland to win by three scores. So nothing groundbreaking there. Uh, and nice. I, th- I think you're right, Tim. Namibia are going to get their first World Cup win against against not the best Canada team. And I'd, I'd also like to back our boys, the boys that we followed, or um, we followed, we we followed. Let's just say that um, USA are going to beat Tonga. Yeah. In give give me USA. Freedom, freedom will 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 finally win. Yeah. Freedom always wins eventually. Absolutely. And we can do a, we can do another podcast after the weekend's rugby, and then JB, you and I are doing a Betfair podcast on Monday as well. We most certainly are, and I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about all the predictions I made, which all eventually came right, came correct. Very good, excellent. Mm. Right, well, we'll <laughs> leave it there, shall we, gents? We'll reconvene on yeah, Sunday stop. when we'll have all of the action from the Premiership Cup, um, <laughs> including <laughs> Sales Clash with London Irish. Do you know what? I, that's one thing I'm going to say because um, obviously you've been in Japan the last couple of weeks. I've been working on the Premiership Cup. Um, it is, I, I, I just it won't it won't happen because it makes too much sense and it's too logical. But this is how this is what preseason should be. It's yeah. been brilliant. I, I nothing is it just been... it works. It works a treat at this time of year. It works perfectly because you can uh, teams have started with their young guns mixed and matched and then some are playing their full strength team this week it just works beautifully and it means you can have gap weeks in the season yeah i completely agree with you um the but most frustrating thing about japan is um that the premiership cup is not in every is in, is not in every <laughs> bar and you look on twitter and you look you want, all you want to see is the highlights of i don't know a, you know a a team and you can't because it's not in your area, so you need a VPN just to look at your Twitter highlights. Ugh, third world. Anyway, we're gonna we are gonna talk about Premiership Cup on on Sunday. Uh, so, from me, Phil, and Tim. Oh, actually, you know you can, you, you can follow us on uh, on Twitter at jbeard at cocker at rugby podcast. But now, from me, Phil, and Tim, let the boys play. Let the boys play. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 